0: What a gift to worship with you. For those of you watching online, joining us on Facebook or newlife.nyc or YouTube, uh, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life Fellowship Church in Queens, New York City. And uh, what a gift it is to lift our voices together in, in worship. At the end of our service, I'll be downstairs uh, in the lobby area. And so if you're new to our church, if we've never met, I've been away for the past couple of weeks. Uh, The first week I was away, I was in California speaking at a church, and then uh, last week uh, leading our School of Formation leaders retreat, which was uh, really wonderful. Uh, But it is uh, a gift to be back uh, here to preach. Uh, We've been on a series of teachings focused on encounters with the risen Jesus, the ways uh, that in the scriptures Jesus shows up to meet his disciples uh, that are unnerving sometimes, surprising And what we're going to find in our text today is another encounter that Jesus had with a disciple uh, that can be quite curious, the words that he used, but the words that he used in that story are really important for our lives uh, with God, with uh, uh, the world, and with one another. But before I get into my message and and look at this passage, uh, I want to take a moment to offer really a pastoral word regarding the, uh, the, the leak and subsequent activity in our nation regarding the Supreme Court and, and Roe versus Wade. Uh, and the whole conversation regarding abortion. And at at New Life, over the years, we have not shied away from having hard conversations, have not shied away from looking at some of the larger issues of our society and to have a a Christian theological, biblical lens uh, to look at these issues. And so that's what I want to offer for us uh, this morning before I get into uh, my message. Our congregation is so diverse, and these moments in our society really bring to the surface the challenge of our diversity, not just ethnic diversity, racial diversity, socioeconomic diversity, but the diversity as it relates to the values that we hold. And so for some of you that have missed it, uh, there was news of the possibility that abortion would no longer be federally uh, protected, but that states would determine whether it should be legal or illegal. And this has resulted in some contentious And some inflammatory speech. And when this information became public, I began to get messages on social media and see messages on social media from folks in our congregation. And some in our congregation rejoiced seeing this as an answer to prayer. And let me know of their elation. And other congregants uh, sent me messages filled with anger and filled with lament. And whenever these moments emerge in our society, really a pastoral word is required, something that takes us deeper than political decision or supreme court deliberations something that gets to the heart of god something that reflects the kingdom of god and so i want to offer just a few reflections before i get into our text as we think about how we should navigate through this complicated terrain of this conversation now first thing i want to say is that whether wherever you are on the spectrum of this issue you are welcome here at new life fellowship church and it's important for me to say that wherever you are on the spectrum You are welcome here. I said that before the 2020 election. Do you remember the 2020 election? Uh, I said that, that whether you were Democrat or Republican, that you were welcome in this congregation. But my hope would be that we would value seeing the perspective of others that we would value seeing our values through the lens of the kingdom of God, through the lens of the poured-out love of Jesus Christ. And so that's the first thing I need you to see and understand, that wherever you are on the spectrum, you're welcome here. The second thing I want you to hear is that we want to be a community that moves beyond easy answers, quick fixes, and oversimplification. The issues that we differ on requires deep reflection requires deep prayer and requires a willingness to open ourselves up to other people the third thing I want you to hear very clearly is that we would all do well to cultivate the virtue of humility say amen somebody so much of the polarizing issues that are at work in our world regarding this topic is, is often not about true care for people but about worldly power plays May the body of Christ lead the way in humble love. The fourth thing I want to say is that it is possible to live with great concern and love and care for the unborn, and at the same time live with great concern and care for women who have had to battle against a very real challenge, and in some cases a very real crisis of unwanted pregnancies. The fifth thing I want to say is that I want to offer a word of grace and hope to women. I read this week that one in four women by the age of 45 will have an abortion. That four out of ten women who get abortions are regular church attenders. That only 16% of church-going women speak to anyone about their decision to have an abortion because it just isn't safe. And if these statistics are accurate, that means that many women in our congregation are carrying deep shame, are carrying deep guilt, are carrying a sense of hurt. And God's word to you is, I love you. I will not withhold my love from you. May you know that God's heart is aimed at you with love and with grace and with mercy. And the last thing I want to say is that I'm hoping that our congregation and that our New Life Community Development Corporation can continue to serve vulnerable women and vulnerable families, that we will do our part to to work for the common good, to continue to see abortions decrease in our city and in our nation. And my hope is that we will continue to educate, that we will work for the formation of healthy families, and to work for uh, creating a more just and loving world where expanded medical care and child care access becomes the norm. May we humbly offer and hold these perspectives before our Lord and before one another, and may we humbly be a people who recognize that the gospel we proclaim cares as much about our bodies as it does about our souls. (laughs) Amen. And with that, how about a sermon? (laughs) John chapter 20, uh, verse number 17. We'll start at verse number 11. I want to offer a word to us as we're still in the Easter season. You might have thought that, well, that was a long time ago, three weeks ago. We're still in the Easter season, highlighting and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ highlighting and celebrating that a new future has been opened up to us because he's alive and what we find in our story here is a story that reminds us of the complexity and the ways that encounters with Jesus are not always easy to understand uh, John 20 beginning at verse number 11 hear the word of the Lord now Mary stood outside the tomb crying As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. I want to focus our time really on these four words Jesus says. Jesus said, "Do not touch me. Do not touch me." I was tempted to title this sermon Can't Touch This. Um <laughs> Maybe we will put that on the website. I can't touch this here. But I want to focus our time on those words. What does it mean for Mary here, and what does it mean for us as we seek to follow Jesus? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, breathe on us now as we seek to understand the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may those words penetrate our hearts, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive all you have for us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. And everyone said... Amen. I want to begin my message with a very simple statement, a statement that relates to all of us, no matter where we are on our journey, no matter where we are on our faith journey, no matter where we are emotionally, spiritually, vocationally, relationally, uh, no matter where we are, there's a truth that I want you to hear, something really simple, and it goes like this, God loves you too much to keep you where you are. God loves you too much to keep you where you are. And that statement has application across the board. You might be in a good season spiritually. You might be in a good season relationally. You might be in a good season financially. God loves you too much to keep you where you are and you might be in a very difficult circumstance challenging relationships difficult finances spiritually dry and i want to tell you god loves you too much to keep you where you are the life of faith as it relates to the gospel really relates to two things the gospel is about finding rest in christ finding rest and centering our lives in God, finding rest for our souls, yet at the same time, to trust in Jesus and to say yes to the gospel is to be pulled into a future, pulled into something that God would have for us, pulled into a new destiny. And yet what I realize in my life and maybe what you realize in your life is that we often don't say yes to being pulled into what God has for us because it's easier to say yes to what we are familiar with. It's easier to say yes to what we are comfortable with. It's easier to say yes to what we are used to. You see, we are creatures of habit. We love things that are familiar. There's nothing wrong with that. Every morning when I wake up, I make the same cup of coffee almost every single morning in the same cup. I drink it from it. I'm a creature of habit. I've come to this congregation. I've been a part of this church for 14 years, and I've probably sat on this side of the sanctuary on Sunday about three times, three times. Now, there's nothing wrong with this side of the sanctuary. I just want to let you know that, all right? I love everybody in this part of the sanctuary here, but I'm a creature of habit. I sit on this side of the sanctuary. Anybody else like that here? Come on. Go, uh, uh, you walk into church, and goes, they're sitting in my seat. Yeah, that's, my, that's my seat. Your name is not on it, but uh, that's my seat. You know, we are, we are creatures of habit. When I drive in the morning, I put on the same sports talk radio show every single morning. I am a creature of habit. There's nothing wrong with familiarity. There's nothing wrong with comfort. There's nothing wrong with wanting to just enjoy my regular routine. The problem, however, comes when we begin to say no to God's invitations because we would rather be in familiar territory. When we say no to God's invitations because we would rather live a comfortable life. That we would say no to God's invitations because it would be too hard to say yes to him. That's essentially what we're going to look at in this text today and what these words mean for Mary and what these words mean for us. In our text, with the text that I just read, we have the classic Easter Sunday story, the classic Resurrection Sunday story, where Jesus encounters his disciples. Two days before the resurrection, Jesus had been crucified. Jesus had been lied on. Jesus had been uh, murdered, and he was put in a grave, shamed, beaten, ridiculed. And the disciples go back home. But on Sunday morning, Mary comes on the scene wanting to be close to Jesus, even though she believed he was dead. She still wanted to be close to Jesus, which is actually quite a good definition of faith. Staying close to Jesus, even when it seems as if all hope is gone, that's a good definition of faith. I just want to stay close to Jesus even when it seems as if nothing is going right and all hope is gone. Mary comes to the grave to stay close to Jesus, perhaps to bring flowers, perhaps to just be in what she his presence, just his whereabouts and such. And she gets to the tomb broken, grieving, in a really bad place emotionally and spiritually. She sees that, She gets to the tomb, and Christ is already risen from the dead, but she doesn't know this. And as she looks in, she realizes that his body is no longer there. And she begins to weep. Why? It's bad enough that they lied about him. The one in whom did not commit a crime, and not only did not commit a crime, never committed a sin. It's bad enough that they put a crown of thorns on his head. It's bad enough that they crucified him. And now it seems, from where Mary sits and stands, that they stole his body now. Could you imagine the trauma of this? You going to the cemetery to to visit the remains of a loved one and to find out that the grave where their remains are is no longer there. Could you imagine the trauma, the grief, the confusion? Mary comes on the scene and cannot reconcile what's happening here. But here's the truth of this scripture that I find great solace in. Mary does not know where Jesus is, but Jesus knows where Mary is. She doesn't know where Jesus is, but Jesus knows where she is. And this is a word of encouragement for us today. Because you might not be able to trace the presence of God with your own eyes, But God has his eyes on you, and God sees you, and God is with you. And even though you cannot trace his presence, you can't discern his whereabouts, God always knows where you're at. I had a conversation with the parent of a ninth grader who started going to school in Manhattan. And the ninth grader had to learn how to take the subway to school. So this parent did the responsible thing He traveled with his child to school on a number of occasions And every time that he would go with his child He would do something a little different To help his child get more acclimated to riding the subway alone The first time he went with his child to school and sat right next to her on the subway From beginning to end saying when you get off here You walk this way and turn on this block and and then you go into the school and we did, did that a couple of times the next round The father joined her, but sat in the same subway car, but in a different seat, keeping his eyes on his daughter and letting her know that in the event you get lost or you can't remember which way to go, I won't be too far behind you. Just look back. I'll be there to help you. And the person said, "Okay." that was the second round. The third round was the father said, you're going to go. You're not going to know where I'm at. But I'll see you at all times. And I will meet I think you're, you got it now, but I'm going to meet you there anywhere. You're not going to be able to see me, but I'll be able to see you. When we see Jesus in this story, it's the same thing what's happening here. Mary can't see him, but Jesus sees her. And his word to her is, my eyes are always on you. I know where you are. And I will meet you with my love. And so Mary is is perplexed. Jesus sees her and comes up to have a conversation with her. And she does not know that it's him. And Jesus asks two questions to her. Two wonderful questions. Two questions that really uh, we should give our mind to our hearts, to our attention to on a regular basis. Two very simple questions that really get to the essence of our hearts. He says to Mary... Why are you crying? And then he says to her, what are you looking for? These are two questions that we would do well to give ourselves to. Why are you crying? Why is there grief in your heart? It's a question God asks you today. For some of us, we need to start paying attention to grief in our hearts for some of us, we need to take the time to move away from the ways we've been distracting ourselves to pay attention to the, the grief in our hearts. Jesus says, why are you sad? And Then he says, what are you looking for? I love that the Gospels begin, John begins, the first word that Jesus says to his disciples is, what are you looking for? And then when he resurrects from the dead, the first thing he says to his disciples is, what are you looking for? That we are people who are always longing and looking for something. Jesus says, what are you looking for? And she responds, sir, if you've taken him away, let me know where he is so I can bring him back. And then at that moment, Jesus calls her by name, Mary. And immediately, she recognizes his voice. She's in shock. Maybe a little bit of fear. And she grabs on to Jesus, and it is at this point in the story where it gets a little weird. Because you would think that Jesus would return the hug. You would think that Jesus would give her at least a fist bump. A pandemic-friendly elbow bump. But instead, she goes on to hug Jesus And Jesus, the first words out of his mouth when she recognizes it is him is, Do not touch me. Do not touch me. Now on the surface, this seems like harsh words, especially when you look at the history and the ministry of Jesus. Because on many occasions, he let people touch him. When people were sick and ill, they would reach out to touch Jesus and they would be healed by his presence, healed by his life. Some of you might say, well, that was before he resurrected, but he resurrected from the dead. It's it's different now, but it's not different because there are other stories in the Gospels after he rose from the dead where he allowed people to touch him. In Matthew 28, for example, it says when Jesus appears to his disciples, it says suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, hear this, and held him by the feet and worshipped him. In addition to that, in Luke 24, Jesus returns to his disciples and says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see." A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. If that's not enough, remember the story of a guy named Thomas, a disciple who could not believe that Jesus had come back from the dead. And Jesus appears to the disciples and tells Thomas, Thomas, touch my hands. Touch my side. It is me. And yet, Jesus tells Mary in this part of the story, do not touch me what is going on here now to get some clarity the original language of the word touch there really gives the connotation of to cling to do not cling to me do not hold on to me but wait a second that sounds like a pretty good thing to do we sing all the time about clinging to jesus holding on to jesus it's a good thing to cling and to hold on to Jesus. But why does Jesus tell her even that? Do not hold on to me. Do not cling to me. And I want to offer a few insights to help us understand maybe what Jesus was saying to Mary and what Jesus is saying to each and every one of us. When Jesus tells her, let go of me. Do not cling to me. Do not hold on to me. The first thing he's saying to her is, let go of your limited view of who I am. Let go of, my, of your limited view of who I am. I, I, I get this because when Mary sees Jesus, she calls him rabbi, teacher. Is Jesus the teacher? Of course, he's the teacher of teachers. He's the rabbi of rabbis. It's not that the title is not correct. It's that the title is incomplete, because he was rabbi for her, but now the resurrection has come. He's more than a rabbi. He's a resurrected Lord. He's the risen Savior. He's the one who's conquered death and sin. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good man. He is King of kings, Lord of lords, resurrected with all authority, all power, all dominion, Mary, I'm not just a rabbi. I am the resurrected one. And so what Mary needed at this moment was a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. And what we need often is to meet Jesus again for the first time. The dangerous truth about many people, especially Christians, is that we often think that we know all there is to know about God, all there is to know about how God works, all there is to know about what God does. I I mean, we put bracelets together. What would Jesus do? Uh, And and I had one. I had three of them, actually. And and, and it's a good bracelet, and it's a good message because we want to have our lives informed by what Jesus would do. But here's the problem with what would Jesus do. When you read the Bible, the disciples rarely knew what Jesus was doing. And he was right in front of them. And so... What he's telling her is I need you to let go of your limited view of who I am. Every generation faces a similar problem. Every generation faces a temptation. The temptation to believe that we know more about God than we do. And how God operates and works than we do. And every generation needs a fresh revelation. Are we going to allow the testimony of scripture to give us an accurate picture of who Jesus is? Or are we going to see Jesus through our personal and cultural lens? Are we going to allow the testimony of scripture to show us who Jesus is or are we going to allow our personal preferences, our cultural values to paint a picture of who Jesus is? And what often happens is we like to create a Jesus in our own image. It was the French philosopher Voltaire who said it this way. He said, in the beginning, God created man in his own image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. So much of the spiritual trouble that we find ourselves and get ourselves into has been because we've been unaware of the ways we've tried to make Jesus into our image. And to be clear, this is not what Mary's doing in this moment, but Jesus' words, do not hold on to me, do not cling to me, do not touch me, speaks to the ways this happens in our lives. We like to cling to the Jesus we like most. We want to cling to the Jesus who votes like we do. Come on, somebody. But Jesus doesn't vote. I just want to let you know he's not in the ballot vote. We want to cling to the Jesus who reflects my cultural values. We often have a way of making Jesus into our own image. And what happens when we do that can become actually quite devastating. It was Anne Lamott, the great writer, who said, "...you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. (laughs) Now, when I say we have to let go of our limited view of who God is, it doesn't mean that we cannot know God. It doesn't mean that we cannot know God deeply. Jesus Christ has come to reveal who God is. And not only did he come to reveal who God is, the New Testament says... That Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. Fullness. You want to know who God is like? God is like Jesus. Jesus fully reveals God. But here's the conundrum. Although Jesus fully reveals God, that doesn't mean that we can fully know Jesus. That we will always have a gap in our understanding. That we will always not see, which is why... 1 Corinthians 13 says, We see as through a glass dimly, that we don't always see as accurately as we think we see. And so we must begin to let go of our limited view of who Jesus is. So much of our view of Jesus are projections that we've put onto Jesus, projections because of our families projections because of our parents we have projected images onto jesus and what jesus is telling mary is you must let go of your limited view of who i am but beyond letting go of your limited view of who i am mary had to do another thing mary had to let go of what she was familiar with perhaps at this moment mary saw jesus and she thought things are gonna go back to normal Things are going to go the way it used to be. She's so excited. We're going to go eat at the restaurant we used to eat and go to the parties that we used to party at. Things are going to be like what they used to be. And Jesus is saying, Mary, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to me. We cannot go back to how it was. But are you willing to allow me to take you into something in the future? It's often the case that we think about the pandemic that we've been in and we go, I just wish that things would go back to how it was. And God's saying, you're thinking way too small. Your faith is a little too small. I just don't want to bring it back to how it was. I want to show you that there's a new future available to you, that there's new possibilities that await you, that there's life and that there's joy and that there's peace before you. It's not about how can we go back to the good old days? Listen, they weren't all good. There's a new future that God has for us. And so when he says, don't cling to me, he's addressing a situation and a feeling that's inside all of us. Barbara Brown Taylor, the great Episcopal pastor, said it this way. She said, the only thing we cannot do is hold on to Jesus. He has asked us not to please not do that because he knows that all in all, We would rather keep him with us where we are than let him take us where he's going. I feel the Holy Spirit now. We would rather keep him where we are than to allow him to take us where he is going. And so he's looking at her and looking at you and looking at me and says, you can't keep me here, but I can take you somewhere. And this is what Jesus says for us. God loves you too much to keep you where you are. And this is a word of hope for us. A word that new possibilities and resurrection are before us. Maybe you came into church today, you thought, my marriage will always be this way. And the resurrection says, no, God has new possibilities that await you. Some of you say, I guess I'll have to deal with this addiction all of my life. It'll always be this way. And God says, No, there are new possibilities that await you. Maybe you said, I've been stuck at this job for the rest of my life, nothing will ever be different. And God says, In me, there are new possibilities resurrection power is available to you some of you cannot see beyond your despair and hopelessness and you think I'll always be depressed I'll always be in despair I'll always be hopeless and God says no there's a future I have for you this power and authority waiting for you But are you willing to let me take you there? Or are you going to try to subject me to your comfort and to familiarity? The reality is some of us have really settled for familiarity and comfort and control. We always want to be in control. I want to call the shots. I want to know how this thing is going to end. And God says faith doesn't work that way. And we are people who live by faith. You know, I often think people from time to time would say to me, and I've thought it, why am I so spiritually dry? Have you ever asked that question? Why am I so spiritually, why am I lacking vitality? And this is what I know to be true of my life and of your life, and what it means to live a life following Jesus. It is very easy for us to live our entire lives in the land of familiarity. Never saying yes to the land of faith. But to follow Jesus requires us to move out of the land of familiarity into the land of faith. I believe you want to have a spiritually robust life, a life that connects you to the presence of Jesus, a life that has you deepen in your life, and your awareness of God's presence, I believe it comes in many ways, but one way in particular. It requires us throughout the course of our lives to be risking and trusting God in some area of our lives. Throughout the course of our lives, we are risking and trusting God with some aspect of our lives. You want to live aware of God's presence? Begin to trust. Begin to have faith. Begin to risk. Begin to do something that's not always so comfortable. I I just wish, people say, I wish I had a better understanding of God's presence. I wish I felt God's presence. You want to feel God's presence? Start giving more money. Start being more generous. Generous. You want to feel God's... You want to feel need? I just want to feel like I need... You want to feel need? Start being more generous. You'll find God's presence start coming real quick. Oh, I feel God's presence right now. You want to feel God's presence? Begin to do stuff that you've been resisting your entire life. For some of us, risking might require vulnerability. Opening ourselves up to God and to others in ways that we've never done before. You want to feel God's presence? You want to sense the divine? You want to sense the Holy Spirit? Begin to, in one area of your life, begin to risk. I'm not talking about recklessness here. I'm talking about giving thought to your ways and risking and trusting. For some of you, you you want to feel the presence of God? Begin to share your faith. Not as a weirdo, not as someone that gets really awkward, but to genuinely proclaim good news to a world that's dying because of hopelessness. God has put people in your path at your workplace who are dying for a word of revelation that there's a God who loves them. And they have poured out their hearts to you, but you've never said yes to taking the next step and saying, can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you about a God who sees you? You want to feel God's presence? Begin to risk and do stuff that you've resisted your entire life. But instead, it's so easy to cling to the land of familiarity. But it is until we begin to let go of that that we begin to enter into what God has for us. When I think about this, I think about an image from the great writer Henry Nowen that I've come back to for a number of years. This writer Henry Nowen, he, he talked about and he wrote about how he used to go to the circus to spend time with acrobats to see what he can learn about God, to, he, to see what he can learn about Spirituality and he engaged in a conversation with a flying trapeze artist. And he asked how they were just so successful at performing their dangerous feats. And the guy who we interviewed, this flying trapeze artist, said, as a flyer, I must have complete trust in my catcher. The public might think I'm the greatest star of the trapeze, but the real star is Joe. My catcher. He has to be there with split second precision and grab me out of the air as I come to him in the long jump. And this writer, Henry Nouwen, said, How does it work? And he said, The secret is the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, I simply have to stretch, my, stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely over the apron behind the catch bar. And now instead, you do nothing? He said, nothing. A flyer must fly and a catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that the catcher will be there for him what the Bible reveals to us from Genesis to Revelation is that anyone who decides to trust, anyone who decides to let go of that bar, anyone who decides to live outside of the land of familiarity and comfort will be caught by God. That we have a reliable catcher in God. That God knows where you are at. That God, with split-second precision, knows how to embrace you, knows how to hold you, knows how to provide for you, knows how to open doors for you. We can trust in the catcher that is God. And so the question for us, brothers and sisters, very simply is this, where is God calling you to let go? Where is he saying you cannot hold on to this any longer? You must step out of the land of familiarity. Into the land of faith, trusting that I'm there. And God's word to Mary is God's word to us as well. When He says, Do not touch me, He's saying, Don't have a relation. He's not saying that. What He's saying is, Mary, are you willing to let go of what you're familiar with, to enter into a new space, a new future, new possibilities, new resurrection? And God has a word for us in our marriages, in our finances in our emotional life, in our spiritual life. And the invitation very simply is, as you learn to trust, you will find yourself with a deepening awareness of my presence, that I am with you. And notice what Jesus does here. He tells Mary, he says, I must ascend to the Father. Don't hold on to me. Why? I must ascend to the Father. Why? We find out in a couple of weeks in Pentecost, where Jesus says I just don't want to be next to you I want to live inside of you the holy if you don't let me go the holy spirit can't come and I love you too much to just live next to you I want to dwell inside of you and that's God's word to us as well as you begin to trust there are new dimensions of God's presence that we step into but it requires us to let him go. Let's pray together. Many of us came to church today and watching online, and your life has been marked by fear, anxiety, Trying to keep things as they always are. And refusing to trust God. And yet, God's word to us in this text is do not cling to me. Why? Because there's something more I have for you. Lord Jesus. We confess that our lives are often so dominated by suspicion, fear, anxiety. And yet, a new world has been opened up because of the resurrection. New possibilities are before us. Teach us what it means to trust you, to risk, to step out in faith. And, Lord, we trust that as we do so, that the Holy Spirit comes. That a greater awareness of your presence becomes our reality. Teach us, Lord, what it means to trust you today. We sing to you now words of praise, words of worship. Lord, we just want to be in your presence. And so we sing that to you now. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together and let's sing. Your
1: presence is heaven to me. Yes, Jesus. Oh,
0: God's presence requires us to trust, to risk, to often do things that step out of our comfort zone, out of places of familiarity. One of the ways that we begin to receive God's presence is as we step into places of vulnerability and receiving prayer. I want to invite our prayer team to come to my right, to look at someone and come up to someone and say, I need prayer. I don't have any more answers. I'm at the end of my rope. I need help. Those are things that when we say and what we do, when we do, opens us up to a greater awareness of God's presence. Here's the truth about Christian faith. God right now is closer to you than you are to yourself. God's presence is always here. What's lacking is our awareness of God's presence. And what we often need to grow in awareness of God's presence is to step out in faith. Where is God inviting you to? What's God calling you into? What's God saying, you've been avoiding this for a long time. Would you trust me with that? Would you trust me with that conversation? Would you trust me with that decision? Would you trust me with this relationship? Can you trust me? And as we open ourselves up to God, a greater awareness of his presence becomes our reality. What did you come to church burdened with today? What did you come to church feeling anxious about today? We want to pray for you. We want to lay hands on you and remind you that God's grace, mercy, presence is for you. And for whatever need you have, we would love to pray for you. Maybe you came into our church today. Maybe you're watching online. You've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never said yes to following him, to surrendering your life to him. And today, maybe you're sensing deep down in your soul, I, I want to take the next step of faith. And if that's you, you can come up for prayer. You can also very simply text that phrase, Yes to Jesus, at 718 424 And one of our pastors would love to follow up with you and see any ways that we can serve you. At the end of our uh, sermon here, our service, we're going to have a sermon discussion time on, on uh on facebook or on on zoom and so feel free to click on that link on facebook or on on youtube we'd love to connect with you for about 30 minutes to have a conversation maybe uh you sharing about what god might call you into but wherever we're at on the journey may we open ourselves up to new expressions of faith may we let go and move out of the land of familiarity into the land of faith and trust And so I want to bless you all as we offer ourselves to that. Let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. God loves you too much to keep you where you are. And may the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us to enter into new dimensions of faith and trust, knowing that God is with us, that he sees us, that he's with us. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And May you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing that God sees you, God loves you, God is with you. And may you trust God with your life. Trust God with your relationships. Trust God with your... Finances, trust God with your career. May you live a life trusting in God. And may God meet you. And may God see your every desire. And may God make his face shine on you in beautiful ways. I bless you all today. In the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace be you all.